Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Horizon fam. Good to see you this morning, wherever you're uh, worshiping with us this morning from. Uh, last uh, week or so ago, I wanna, we sent out a reopening survey as we look at potentially uh, coming back to live services in some form as our area has allowed uh, gatherings of 50 people or more, which for us would require multiple, multiple services. And so thank you for those of you that gave uh, us feedback on that. We're not going to rush back. We're going to take our time and be very thorough uh, with uh, our approach. Uh, but at the same time, we're, we are going to continue to move that ball ahead. But kind of a few words that I got from somewhere else, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be slow. Uh, it's going to be safe and it's going to be small. So we're not going to rush back and we're going to be care- very careful to be safe at the same time and it's going to be smaller gatherings and we're going to be creative with that uh, so that when you come back it'll be the best that we can uh, be together and continue to worship together. There's nothing like gathering together. We love the opportunity to gather in our homes, uh, but we also love the opportunity of gathering together. So please be praying for us uh, as we work out those plans so that we can come back slow, safe, and small. Um, You know, this week, uh, unless you've been living under a rock, has been a challenging week uh, for for our world, really. Uh, on top of everything else that's going on uh, this week, as you're well aware, if you're on social media, if you have a TV, if you have a device of anything, uh, if you have friends, uh, so appropriate that we sang that you make the darkness tremble because there's a lot of darkness in our world that is getting highlighted right now. This week, the, the death of the unarmed black man, George Floyd, by a white police officer who ignored his pleas that he couldn't breathe has sparked a fire in America both figuratively and literally. And when your neighbor's house, our neighbor to the south, when their house is on fire, we don't just pretend it's not there, we don't ignore it. And what began as protest to this killing has descended into violence and looting and is indeed a scary time in those cities uh, all across America and pretty much every major city. Um, But before we judge those who are protesting in this way, before we judge them too harshly, Let's take a step back for a moment that rioting usually comes when people have not been heard, have been pushed, have been shoved, have been marginalized, have been persecuted, and even killed. And they see no other recourse. Does that make it good and right to riot and burn your city down? No. Does it justify hurting others? No. But perhaps, just perhaps, we can try to understand the rage and the grief that might drive someone to do so. Let me also say that not every police officer is a racist. We have many great police officers in our community, and I know why they serve. They they serve because they love our city, they love our community, and they do it to make a difference and to, to, to help us all be safe. That's why they do what they do. It doesn't mean there aren't some that are racist, the same as there are in every profession, unfortunately. 
And you might be thinking, Craig, why are you talking about this? Why don't you just talk about church things? Well, I actually believe that this is a church thing. I believe that the church is meant to be a voice in our, in our culture, and we've too often let ourselves be marginalized by being silent on things that are important, by being disengaged, by, by not being uh, involved in our city. And we love our city. We love our nation. We love, we love people. And someone might say to me, oh, that you're a, you're a pastor of a, of a multicultural church. Why? It's not an issue for your church. And, and I hope it's not. I hope it's not. But, but even more so, when, when I see some of the things that I've seen, I picture my friends. I picture some of you. I picture our neighbors. I picture and, and think, what would, what would it be like to be living in the middle of all that? And, and, and I think we kid ourselves if we make this an American problem or some other place problem. I was talking with some of my, one of my friends who, who happens to be black. Uh, and he lives here in our city. And he, he told me that he's grown up in Canada and he, he has experienced racism overtly and co- uh, covertly in every way uh, multiple, multiple times. Had guns pulled on him by the police and um, racism in various forms and ways. And, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a pretty white area of, of, the, of the province. I would say probably the high 95% of, of what I grew up with was, was Caucasians. And uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't ever recall ever in my life experiencing the sting of racism at all. Uh, and so my, my experience does not lend itself to easily understand it. So I, this week I reached out to some of my friends and uh, just talked to them and, and, and expressed my, my support for them. Uh, and, and this one that I talked about said that, you know, in the last, within the last month, his uh, teenage nephew was walking, uh, walking to the corner store just to get some, some candy or something like that. And along the way, a, a 20-something uh, white, uh, year old white male uh, kind of accosted him and did the slash sign and called him the N-word. And, and, and that's not in Alabama, that's not in Tennessee, that's in Clayton Heights. And talk to others that talk about how to teach their kids how to, how to act and what to wear and what not to say and how to look so that they don't get in trouble with the police. And I'm not talking about lawlessness, I'm just talking about living. And racism is not okay. It's sin. It's demonic. Every man and woman, whatever their color, whatever their racial background, whatever their sexual preference, whatever issue that they have in their life is always worthy of respect and is always worthy of love. They're created in the image of God. Racist jokes are not okay. Mocking a different language is not okay. Perpetuating racial stereotypes that divide us is not okay. Making fun of another person's cultural clothing is not okay. In fact, the apostle and early church leader John wrote this in 1 John 4.19. He said, we love because he first loved us. He's talking to followers of Christ. We love because he first loved us. God first loved us, and out of his love, we love others. We love our friends. We love our neighbors. We even are called to love our enemies. 
And he goes on to say, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Is a liar. Didn't say, hey, that's not good. He said, is a liar. And when there's hate in our heart in any space or place for other people, we, and we say we're a follower of Jesus, we are lying. We are lying to ourselves. We're lying to God. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. But we do not overcome evil with more evil. We overcome evil with good. The light shines in the darkness. The hope shines in the middle of all this chaos. Hate can't stamp out hate. Only love can do that. That's why we're called to love. We're called to, to be people who are aware. We're called to be people that are active in our love, not, not passive, but active in our love. I'm, I'm by nature not a person that is verbally expressive of my, my love for my wife. It's something I've had to learn to grow in. I, I kind of like feel like she knows it. And, but in the absence, in the silence sometimes, a message can be sent perhaps that I don't care or that I don't love or I'm not standing with or I'm not for her. And in a similar way, we cannot just stand by and be quiet. We don't have to always know what to say, but we can say much as... Uh, much as we know is to say, I'm sorry that this is going on. I'm standing with, I am for. And we pray for peace and reconciliation and the end of violence and destruction. We stand with those who are victimized. We stand with the oppressed. We stand, though, against the real enemy, the devil that is behind us, because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. No matter the color of skin, no matter what, pe who, what people they are, they are not our enemy. There is an enemy that is stoking this fire. And he is the one that loves to steal, that loves to kill, and loves to destroy. And we hear the ancient prophet Jeremiah reminding us, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city where you live. For pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. We are literally in this together. And he didn't say, uh, just pray for the people that you like or the people you agree with or the people that think like you. He said, pray for the city where you live. And we're going to, in a moment, take some time and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for the city where we live. We're going to pray for our nation, to, our friends to the south. We're going to pray for ourselves. I think, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Search me, O oh God, because I'm not the best judge of myself. I'm not the best arbiter of how I look at things. Search me, O oh God. Is there anything in me that would put myself above other people? Is there anything in me that looks down on somebody because of where they come or the language they speak or the color of their skin? Is there anything in me, O oh God? Search me, O oh God, and know me. It's not somebody else's problem only. It's not America's problem only. It's not just a societal problem. It's an us problem. It's an us problem. Search me. And I want to challenge you right now and, and just to get a little active. So whatever your posture is right now, if you're sitting on your couch or you're sitting in your backyard, I want to invite you to either kneel on, on, on your carpet or stand to your feet and we're going to pray together. 
I'm, I'm, I'm believing that many, many, many of you, hundreds of you are going to join with me and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to pray for reconciliation. We're going to pray for uh, the the once and for all dealing with the inequities. We're going to pray that God would protect everyone involved. We're going to pray that, 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 that God would search us. So whatever your posture is right now, can I ask you to just change it? Get to your knees, stand to your feet in some way. Maybe if you're in, a, if you're in your home, join hands with somebody and begin to pray. Pray out loud. Don't pray passively. Pray authoritatively. We're going to pray right now. And I'm going to ask you to join with me. Pray all together, all at once, wherever you are right now, whether you're in Princeton or you're in England or wherever you are. This is a human problem. This is a problem that we must see changed by the power of Jesus. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask in the strong name of Jesus that, first of all, that you would search me and know me and see if there be any wicked way in me. God, open my eyes to see any areas that I'm blind, Lord, to myself, where I'm blind to my sin, where I'm blind to my prejudice where I'm blind to any latent racism. Lord, that, my, that I would look at each and every person that I see and lock, I would not lock eyes with someone who doesn't matter to you. And Lord, that we would be a people that are the ones that are at the forefront. We would speak up for those that can't speak for themselves. We would be ones who are uh, bringers of hope and bringers of justice and bringers of, of uh, peace in the midst of chaos in the strong name of Jesus. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that you would Quell the storm in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm asking for wisdom, Lord Jesus. I'm asking for reconciliation. I'm asking for a move of the Spirit of God. Lord, that you would drive us to begin to pray for our land like never before, that we would pray for our friends. We would pray for our neighbors. We would pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we would not be passive bystanders, but we would be actively engaged with you in the transformation of the world. We would be actively engaged with you in the restoration of all things, that the power of the Holy Spirit would flow in us and flow through us to change the world around us. And we acknowledge our absolute desperate need for you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would shut every mouth, Lord Jesus, that would stoke division. I pray that you would shut every mouth that would bring hate. I pray that you would uh, block every plan of the enemy to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that, God, you would move in a powerful way. I thank you for my friends from all over the world, Lord Jesus. I thank you for friends of every tribe, tongue, Lord, that we will gather one day, those of us that know you, around the great throne room of God, people from every tribe and tongue and nation, peoples, all of us, Lord, gathered and unified around the goodness and the reality of Jesus. And so, Lord, in Surrey, your kingdom come, your will be done. In America, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In our lives personally, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the strong name of Jesus, in the strong name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we definitely do live in dark and challenging times. So far in 2020, if you just look back, I saw this this week and I was like, wow. We had near war between the U.S. and Iran in January. We've had a global pandemic, a global societal lockdown, and a global economic recession. We see in the last week or so, Hong Kong being taken over by a brutal Chinese communist dictatorship, crushing dissent, throwing people into jail simply because they want a voice, more oppression, rioting in major 
American cities. And it might cause you to say, where is the hope? Where is the hope? Where is peace? Where is the healing? With all our technology, with all our ability, with all our hard work, we continue to see division, oppression, hatred at a societal level. We can't control what's going on in our world despite all our human effort. And hopefully it's causing us to say, and hopefully it's causing us to realize that we need God, that our best efforts are falling short. Our best efforts are not good enough. Our best efforts, oh, sure, it's good to do them. It's important to try. But at the end of the day, our best has not brought us together. Our best has not brought peace. Our best has not brought more love. And it might be easy to look at it as a great societal problem, but the actual reality is, is that society as a whole reflects the individuals that live in it. And so when there's societal problems, there's problems in each and every one of us. And we must allow ourselves to be searched this morning. We must allow ourselves to be brought near to the Lord in this moment to say, Lord, what is my problem? My anger, my gossip, my hatred, my jealousy, my relational breakdown, my sin my selfishness, my sexual sin, my pornography addiction, my, my, my uh, food addiction, my whatever it is to acknowledge that I have a part to play and not just to make it out there, but to say, God, would you do something in here so that I can make a difference out there in the world that I'm a part of? And if you're not sure what's on your list of things that need some help, Ask somebody that lives with you or somebody that works with you. They might have a list in their drawer of things that you need to work on. But our sin is robbing us. It's destroying our lives. It's destroying our relationships. It's harming our families. It's dividing our communities. And in our dark world, Luke 19 tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Our world is lost without God. We are lost in chaos. We are lost in disease. We are lost in division. We are lost in so many ways. But God came in the, in the form of Jesus, and it says that he came to seek for, to look for those that are lost, and not only to find them, but to reconcile us to God. He's made it possible for a brand new way of living. He's made it possible for the world to look different because of the power of Jesus. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So into places that are, where there's death right now, in places where there's chaos right now, in places where there's wickedness right now, in all those places, Jesus says, I have come to bring life and life to the fullness. But there's also an enemy that seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you have to decide where will you, what kingdom will you be a part of? The one that says, I have come to bring life and that more abundantly. I have come to walk through through every dark valley with you. I have come to be your comforter. I have come to be the one that brings you to myself for eternity. Or will we walk into the kingdom and under the kingdom that wants to steal, that wants to kill, that wants to destroy? You say, well, I'm somewhere in the middle. You're in one or you're in the other. And we do not want to be in this one. We want to be part of the answer. We want to be one that would bring life, one that would bring hope, one that would bring encouragement, one that would bring the hope of Jesus in the middle of all that going on. At the cross, Jesus was crucified, died, and he was buried, and he rose again, and he broke the power of death, hell, and the grave. 
Romans 6 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We have a lot of death in our culture. We have a lot of chaos in our culture, but the gift of God is is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that eternal life is not just a one day. It's meant that Jesus can change our every day, not just determine our destiny, but help to alter our history in these moments. And we remind ourselves that a brand new life is possible. A brand new future is possible because of who Jesus is, because of what he's done by dying and rising again, because of who he is. He's a restorer. He's a rebuilder. He's a renewer. That's who Jesus is. And into this dark world, we remind ourselves of that fact and that reality. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, it will quicken my mortal body. It will quicken my dead things. The same spirit that raised Jesus can dwell in you. And Jesus, after he was uh, rose again, he spent some time with the disciples for around 40 days. He was seen by over 500 people. And he brought them together just before he returned to heaven. And he said to them, just, he once said to his followers, do not leave Jerusalem where they were, but wait for the gift. Say gift. Wherever you are, just say, God's got a gift for me. That's it. He's got a gift for you, uh, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And down to verse 8. This is in Acts chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has comes, uh, comes to you or comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth or to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. You will receive power to be, and you will be my witnesses. That's what the Holy Spirit came to do. Jesus left, and he said, it's good for, the, good for you that I leave because I'm sending to you the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was, or the Holy Spirit was in Jesus, and uh, Jesus was one man, and he was limited by, like we are, to time and space of our body. But he sent the Holy Spirit so that wherever we are, the Holy Spirit can be in us. That's why the Holy Spirit is not limited by time. He's not limited by space. Wherever you are, he is. He's everywhere in the world and so we went from one man full of the Holy Spirit to a people full of the Holy Spirit that is the promise that Jesus says he says I want you to have the power of the Holy Spirit we need the power of the Holy Spirit in the chaos of our world we need to be the witnesses of Jesus and that means simply an accurate representation of the original that when you look at that you see there's a witness that Jesus was there's a witness of who Jesus is because I see it in you I see it in your family I see it in your life you are a witness of the reality of Jesus that's what the Holy Spirit comes to do in you and through you that is a promise of Jesus and so he said go and wait and so they went into an upper room and they waited for about 10 days 120 men and women in an occupied country under a brutal power mostly uneducated fishermen, many women, some uh, prostitutes who had surrendered their life to Jesus, addicts, and some former collaborators with the occupying power. And this was a band that was going to change the world. This is the, the people that are going to absolutely go into all the world and make a difference. These people? Yes, these people. People like you, people like me, people like your neighbors and and it says they were waiting, and then it says suddenly, suddenly, 
suddenly this. Suddenly a sound like came from, sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. And it goes on to say that something like fire was over each and every person and they spoke in other tongues and it was, it, the house shook where they were. That God showed up in a powerful way through the Holy Spirit and came into the room. And People were around, people with four, from 14 different nations and people groups, probably some brown people and some black people and some Greek-speaking people and some um, Jews, and they were all there, and they heard God speaking to them in their own language. And I think it reminds us that God is for all people. God is seeking and saving all people, black people, brown people, white people, people from South Asia, people from Africa, people from Europe. God is seeking and looking to save lost people. Suddenly this power comes in and, and they were like, Is, are these people drunk? What's going on? What's going on? And Peter, who just 53 days before had denied following Jesus, just 53 days, not even two months, and he's, he stands up and he says, in the last days, which is right now, which was inaugurated when the Holy Spirit came, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. On Pentecost Sunday, the power of God shifted from, a from one place, the temple, to a lot of places, the people. It shifted, the whole power went from going to a place to being a people that would gather together with the Spirit of God living inside of them. And that day launched the church. It launched an intergenerational church. It launched a multicultural church. It launched a multi-ethnic church. It launched a multi-racial church. It launched a church of men. It launched a church of women. It launched a church of young people. It launched a church of, of young women. It launched a place of people that uh, from every tribe and tongue. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings us together. And he brings us together around the hope of the gospel, around the reality of Jesus. Us. That's what he does. And Acts 2 is the record of the Holy Spirit transforming weak, sinful cowards into powerful witnesses for God. So wherever you are today, when the Holy Spirit comes, and when we talk about the Holy Spirit, he comes to change a generation. And this is what was happening in that time. This band of misfits, so to speak, this band of the least likely to succeed in their high school yearbook. Here they were, touched by the Holy Spirit, and in a generation from that 120, the gospel traveled to Africa, the gospel traveled to Asia, the gospel traveled, the good news that life change is possible through Jesus. It traveled to Europe, it traveled all over the Mediterranean, and just in little, literally 30 years, that 120 was absolutely part of change their world and so why not us why not you why not me why not the church of surrey why not the church of princeton why not the church of the uk why not the church of africa why not today because we have the same spirit that raised christ from the dead and he lives in you and he's about quickening you he's about bringing life to every area of our hope of our of our nation because the spirit brings power to change to you and the power to bring change through you. The Spirit brings power to change to you first and the power to bring change through you. So why be filled 
with the Holy Spirit, like Jesus said. Our lives are a mess. Our culture is a mess. Our world is upside down. We need the filling of Holy Spirit. If they needed it 2,000 years ago, we need it today. The power to change, to be changed to you. For a Christian, for a Christ follower, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not an option. It's not the Holy Spirit is not the appendix of your spiritual life. Holy Spirit, we need him. He is indispensable for a healthy, growing, fruitful life. You can, because of the Holy Spirit, you can be more than your experience. Because of the Holy Spirit, you can be more than your pain. Because of the Holy Spirit, you can be more than your abuse. Because of, your, of the Holy Spirit, you can be more than your background. Because of the Holy Spirit, whatever God has created you for is possible for you and in you. You are more than the failure that you've experienced because of the Holy Spirit. Why be filled? Because the power to be changed comes to you. Galatians 5 and 22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces. The Holy Spirit produces, not you, but the Holy Spirit. We need more of the Holy Spirit. He produces this kind of fruit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Doesn't our world need a lot more of that? Doesn't our world need more love? We need a love we need a love that is supernatural. We need a peace that is beyond understanding. We need a joy that is deeper than our circumstances. We need more gentleness in our world. We need more kindness in our world. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be leading the, word, the way in kindness and gentleness. You should be leading the way on your Facebook post. You should be leading the way in your Instagram post. You should be leading the way in your, in your workplace, wherever you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, I wanna challenge you today to be one that will allow the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. If there's not joy coming out of you, oh God, I need you. If there's not love coming out of you, I need you, Holy Spirit. You can't work it up the way that God can. You can't make it happen. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit more than ever in our day, in our time, in our city, in our nation. We need God. I love what Ephesians 3 and 20 says. It says, now, now to him, the spirit that is, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, immeasurably more according to his power that is at work within us. Is his power at work within you? The possibility is there that when his power begins to work within you, anything is possible. So to those of you that might see, say that change is impossible, according to his power that is at work within you, he is able to do immeasurably more than you can think or imagine. He's able to transform you from a from a, an alcoholic to somebody that is walking in wholeness. He's able to transform you from being a person that's bitter to being somebody that is life-giving. He is able to transform you out of a place of abuse to being one that brings hope. That is what God does, that in the middle of it all, the Holy Spirit would come and say, let hope arise in you, young man and woman. Let hope arise in you, old person. Let hope arise that God can do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine, that I need to be filled afresh with the the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who brings the power to be changed to me. It's not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit, oh God. And so I need to give the Holy Spirit a greater place in my life. The Spirit brings power to change 
to you, and he brings the power to, and, and power to bring change through you. Power to bring change through you. See, we're power to be his witnesses. Jesus did not just say, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit and power to be a good little person. That's important. But you're not just uh, one that will be transformed for yourself. That you're right from the very beginning. The work of the Holy Spirit in you is always about so that God can do a work through you. Jesus said, you are to go and be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea and to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. That what God is doing in his church is meant to touch our world. That's why we we do what we do. That's why we give like we give. That's why we serve like we give. That's why we give food like we give. That's why we send money to our friends overseas. That's why we will advocate for advocate for the disabled. That's why we will advocate for people from every tribe and tongue and nation because Jesus has done the work inside of us and he's meant us to go into every area of culture, every area of the world. The political world needs more kindness. The entertainment world needs more purity. Every area of the world needs the reality of the Holy Spirit flowing in and through it. And it's going to get there not by some happenstance. It's going to get there through you and through me. To bring change through you. We're because through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, together we can bring healing. Together we can see miracles. Together we can speak the word of the Lord to our culture. Together we can know what to do because of the Holy Spirit's gifts. Together we can have words of knowledge. And you can look at all the list of gifts, gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. But what does it ultimately look like? My goodness, I'm going. Acts 10.38 says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Doing good and healing. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. I don't care if you feel insignificant, if you don't feel like you've got it. You're a perfect candidate for God to use because God works in, in willing people. God works in our weakness. God works in the area where we don't have it figured out because God gives grace to the humble, to those that acknowledge their need for him. And we are called to be a church that shares the good news that Jesus can transform lives. We're, we're called to be that church that believes that miracles are still possible. We're called to be that church that says that the oppressed can be uh, made free. We're called to be the, that church that says physical disease can be healed. We're called to be that church and those people that will believe through the power of the Holy Spirit that mental illness can be made well. We're called to be that church that demonic oppression can be lifted off of people. People. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is all about. The Spirit brings power to change to you and power to bring change through you. We still believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We still believe we're that church that still believes in miracles and signs and wonders, and we're contending for more. We still believe in the, in the gift of speaking in tongues. It's our heritage and our birthright. And for hundreds of years, after that beautiful start in Acts chapter 2, the church went on in the power of the Holy Spirit. But after uh, several hundred years, the church got stale, and the gifts of the Spirit were put aside, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for a bygone era. And it seemingly disappeared from the institutional church, and it would pop up here and there, but for all intents and purposes, the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was lost. Until, and church historians point to a day that is our heritage and our birthright, where 
The gift of the Holy Spirit baptism was restored to the church in 1906 at the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, California. It's beautiful today in particular on this Pentecost Sunday that marks the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago because in 1906 we're reminded that this revival in 1906 that led to the restoration of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, led to a restoration of the gifts of the Spirit, led to the restoration of believing and seeing God for miracles and, and going into all the world with a renewed emphasis. It was led, get this, it was led by a black man named William Seymour in a time of racial injustice, in a time when white, black and whites did not associate with each other, let alone worship together. A black man who was blind in one eye because of smallpox, who was the son of freed slaves himself, and he was courageously seeking for the fullness of God. He was courageously in the midst of his own pain saying, God, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need to be baptized afresh because what we're doing is not working. We need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he contended for it and he believed for it with gathering with a, a few people. And some would even say that he would, the pulpit was made out of an apple box and he would stick his head into the pulpit because he was so shy. But he did not let that stop him. And, and even though he preached about the need for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He had not yet even experienced it himself, but he prayed for it and he believed God for it. And suddenly he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as, as did many others in one night. And that led to an incredible outpouring of the baptism of the power of the Holy Spirit where nearly 1,500 people every night for nearly three years gathered together. And in that three years, it swept the globe to Canada, to Europe, to Africa, all over 50 nations in three uh, short years. And that is our birthright. And under his leadership, blacks and white, blacks and whites worshiped together at the same altar. His courageous leadership began a, a multiracial movement that included women leading, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is our heritage. That is our legacy. And it includes black men and women who helped the lead and birth open and break open, I should say, a rebirth of the gift of the Holy Spirit for the church. And we are grateful today for that man that black man, William Seymour, who was brave in the face of injustice, brave in the face of racism, and we live today in his legacy of bravery. The Spirit brings power to change to you and the power to bring change through you. And it first begins, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. That's step one. You must become a follower of Jesus. If you want the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you must surrender your life to Jesus. And Peter goes on to say, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the power of the Holy Spirit in you to change your life, but also so that, ye, that the power of the Holy Spirit can work through your life. Repent and be baptized. If you've never made Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life, today is your day. If you've walked away from God and you've wandered far from him, I don't care where you are, whether you're sitting on your deck or you're in your bed or you're in your living room, if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus and you know that today is your day, it's as simple as, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And if you mean that from your heart, it begins a journey. It's not a moment. It's a moment to change the momentum of your life. It begins a journey of seeing 
God transform your life. And if you're today asking Jesus to be the forgiver and leader of your life, if you want the power of God in your life, if you want Jesus to walk with you through every valley, through every victory, to lead your life into all that you were created for, surrender your life to Jesus today. You can let us know if you're going to do that. Even on the chat, you can write, I'm, I'm maybe a number one, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. Or maybe you want to email us or, or direct message us. Let us know and we want to help you. Or let the friend know that uh, told you about this live stream. But start with that but maybe you're a Christ follower and you had an event where you were filled with the Holy Spirit once and it's but if you're honest you don't see the fruit and you don't see the power of the Holy Spirit that you know is possible maybe you've walked with Jesus and you've never known about that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit uh, not just the Holy Spirit inside of you but the Holy Spirit flowing through you the word is baptized to be immersed in to walk in it at all times not just an event, but an ongoing reality. Sometimes I use this analogy. At home, we have this hot water tank, and it has a little pilot light, and that's on all the time. And if, you're, and if some Christians are like that, the pilot light is on all the time. We always have the Holy Spirit within us all the time. But some people only stay that, pilot light Christians. But... There are times when you need more power. There are times when you need more heat. And you need to turn up, turn up the thermostat. And that pilot light suddenly becomes a big flame that heats the world, or that heats the water and begins to change the situation around it. And suddenly a big flame comes up. And some people, though, are just pilot light Christians, surviving and not changing, not, not altering the atmosphere around them, not raising the temperature of their world. And I would say for all of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's time to turn up the thermostat and say, Holy Spirit, Spirit, fill me afresh and turn it up instead of just that little flickering pilot light but a, a flame that begins to come out of you a passion for the for Jesus that becomes uh, comes in you and comes through you in a powerful way and it's available for you to be filled never done this remotely but let us we can all we need to do in Luke uh, chapter 11 you can go there verses 9 to 13 there are three barriers that stop people, common barriers that stop people from receiving. Because we all say, oh, maybe the first one is doubt. If I asked, would I receive the Holy Spirit? Would I receive the Holy Spirit? Jesus says this in Luke 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one and to the one, I lost my place here. And to the one, yeah, everyone who asks, everyone who seeks, find. To everyone who knocks, the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone. If you ask, you will receive. Num number two, the second barrier is fear. You can see the disciples saying, okay, I'm, I'm convinced. I, if I asked, I received. But do I want to receive? Would something terrible happen to me? And Jesus says this story. He says of a father who said, who, you, uh, if your son asked for lunch, you would give him lunch. You wouldn't give him a scorpion. You wouldn't give him a snake. You would give him what he asked for. And in the same way, if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, the Holy Spirit, to those that ask him? He's a good giver. He's a gift giver. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. The third barrier to receiving is inadequacy. 
You don't know what I'm really like, Craig. Perhaps you think, well, if I asked, I'm not going to receive because God knows what I'm like and he knows that I don't deserve it. I can understand why holy people, why pastors and people have been Christians a long time, why they would receive, but not me. Well, Jesus, what Jesus says is not, he doesn't say this, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to really holy people who have been a Christian for a long time? He says this, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So will we ask him again? Will we ask him again? The Spirit brings power to change to you and the power to change through you. And I'm going to do something right now that I've never done in an online format, but I'm just going to ask you, if you're saying, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I did it one time, or I've never done it, but I know that I need more of the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in me. I'm going to ask you to just kind of put your hands right where you are, where you are, uh, close your eyes, and just put your hands in a receiving posture and say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, come and fill me afresh. I receive who you are. I receive you. I receive the power to be your witness. I receive the power to be like you. I need more of your fruit in my life. I need more of your power to change in my life. I want to be a change agent in my world. I need you, Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are answering that cry right now. Whether we feel it or not, right now, you, you said, if we ask for the Holy Spirit, you will give us the Holy Spirit. And so in faith, we receive you, Holy Spirit, right now. We thank you that you're filling sons and daughters right now. You're filling young and old right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're causing vision. You're going to cause vision, new vision to come. You're going to cause us to dream again. You're going to cause us to see things from your perspective. We're going to prophesy the good things that God's bringing to us. We're going to prophesy hope and healing to our nation. We're going to prophesy and believe that God will change. Our nation, he will change our city, he will change our families, he will change us from the inside out through the power of Holy Spirit. The Spirit brings power to change to you and the power to bring change through you. That's what he does. The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit launched the church. And I'm so grateful today on this Sunday uh, to be uh, on Pentecost Sunday. There's about 14, 15 different churches in, in Surrey that are preaching about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful, and we can pray for Mercy Hill Church, for Hillside Church, for Center Church, for Hope Community Church, for Port Kells Church, for Coast Hills Church, for Sunrise Church, for Cloverdale Baptist, for Pacific Community for our church, for Cloverdale Christian Reform, for New Life, Seventh-day Advantage, for our neighbors across the street, Relate Church. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done through your church. Lord, I pray that you would fill your church again. Lord, that we would be hungry for you, that we would realize that we must have more of the Holy Spirit, that we would be hungry and seeking you like William Seymour did in 1906 and believing again for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in your church as it is in heaven. Lord, we need you. And Lord, we continue to pray that you would do miraculous things in us and through us, through your Holy Spirit. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Continue to open yourself to the possibilities of the Holy Spirit. Welcome him day in and day out into your day, that God would do something fresh and new in you and through you. Have a wonderful week. 
We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.